Hi, I'm Cheryl and Sen. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horse. I'm Amy Shields. I'm Mark Frost. Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. Hey, Ben, this is David Duchovny. We have a beautiful, beautiful book. Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book. You can get it at bluerosemag.com. Supplies are limited. Uh, get this bad boy while it's hot. Want to say we're under the 300 mark for these books. Yes. And then yes. once they're gone, they are gone. Our thinking would be that the book would be gone by the end of the year. I mean, I don't even know if it's going to last that long. But the idea was that, hey, this is the 30th anniversary. Like, wouldn't it be cool just to have a book that could be available to really diehard Twin Peaks fans? We recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Over set, ski snoop, belge Enjoy Twin Peaks Festival. I've got idea, man. You take me for a walk under the sycamore tree, the dark trees that blow, baby. In the dark trees that blow And I'll be Welcome to this week's Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazaska. Beside me is Ben Durant. Hey, Ben, we're at the Twin Peaks Festival. Live upstairs in the roadhouse. Live? Yeah, we're live to tape. We're live in front of people. That's why we're live. We've never been live before. We're in front of a studio audience. Yes. That are going to participate in the podcast. Um, we're going to have John Thorne. We're going to have Scott Ryan make an appearance. I'm yes. sure. Through yeah, we've got, they've got things to say. Yeah, they have a lot of things to say. Very entertaining. Yeah, another divisive part. Oh, um, it is? Yeah, it is. I think. Going into this... We have to remember next week could give us a payoff of some scenes that we weren't too keen on, which we'll talk about. This is what we said last week, too. But I will, I will come out and say I wasn't too keen on the candy with the fly, but the payoff made me like it. Right. You like candy a lot more now. Now candy, I do. Candy, candy, candy. Candy, candy, candy. So now I feel this episode could have a payoff next week that might change our minds. And that's great. Right. Yeah. So this is so part... That being said, This yeah. is part 12... Uh, and it's called Let's Rock. Yep. It aired on July 30th. Live at the uh, Roadhouse. <laughs> yes, we're at the Roadhouse, where, where they shot the exterior of the Roadhouse. Saw it with a group of people. We got, got, got to see it with some of the celebrities. All right, so this is Brett. <laughs> I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, it's been a pleasure being up here, first of all, with all these guys. This is amazing. Um, my first festival, so awesome. And getting to watch with Christabel and Kimmy and Sabrina and everybody that's been up here. Um, I love the first scene. I, I noticed the red drapes immediately and the, the curtains. Um, immediately made me think of, of course, the Red Room. But, you know, it's David. He loves those curtains. They're everywhere in all of his work. Um, yeah, I thought it was a great scene. I think that we had a lot of exposition and dialogue and information about the Blue Rose, which we have not had ever up until this point that was like a huge 
download of information for us. Um, I thought it was great. I have to watch it again because we were all buzzing so much with excitement and uh, really pick apart what they were talking about. But that was amazing for me as a fan that's wanted that information for so long. Going into this season thinking, will they address the Blue Rose actually in dialogue? Is this just going to continue to be a, you know, kind of a thematic metaphor? Are we actually going to get something? And that, that was it. So that was gratifying for me. Um, and that was a great scene. Well acted by everybody. And Let's rock. <laughs> so it was like overdrive and everyone was cheering and clapping. It was... Yeah, that was a great great way to open that part. First he said Chet Desmond. Oh, yeah. I looked at you. First I was name like, drop Ch of yeah, Chet yeah, yeah. Desmond. And this is Scott Ryan from the Blue Rose Magazine. This is John Thorne from the Blue Rose Magazine. And we're here today to talk about a very sad death in the Twin Peaks family, the death of John Thorne's dream theory that passed away at the ripe young age of 27. The dream theory did not die tonight. Oh, it's dead, my friend. It yes, I saw it. You're going to give me a chance to respond? I just wanted to <laughs> say yes, sir, that it died. I, if you go back and look at the text that I wrote, I never claimed that Chet Desmond was a figment of Cooper's imagination. Just he dreamed that sequence with Chet Desmond, that Chet Desmond, since he failed to solve the Teresa Banks uh, murder, that maybe another agent could have done that. And whether Chet Desmond was real or... An, actual living being, either one was possible. You know what's cute about this is when someone... But you know what else? I'm going to tell you what else. Yeah, okay? Yes, you tell I've me. I've elaborated. The dream theory it could very well be wrong, and I'd be happy to admit that it's wrong. But I think Lynch is toying with ideas that come from um, the Hindu religion, from the idea of um, quantum physics, and the idea that there's an interconnectivity between everyone, and um, it's possible that what we, we learn tonight is that there's an interconnectivity between all of these agents that are part of this Blue Rose team. And it's real curious to me how um, Gordon Cole will look at um, Albert Rosenfield and almost communicate without words as if they are the, the sum of their parts. Okay. It was really well put, but let's get back to the fact how the dream theory is dead because for years you have said that Chet is a apparition of Cooper, that he is taking the place of him, not that he's a real person. We even had this argument in the Mark die? Frost how thing. How did it die? Well, when they said that Chet worked on a Blue Rose case, yeah, okay. which we saw. I right. mean, we've now seen them, so right. it's... It's gone, buddy. And, and uh, let's, it was a great theory. I loved it. I miss it. But I'm going to go to again, its I'm, grave. I'm waiting to hear the, why the theory is wrong. When Mark Frost's book came up, and yeah. you said this was no. sad when they mentioned his name, this was, this was causing trouble. And now we know he's a, he works on the Blue Rose. So. And this is a Blue Rose task force, which made me happy. And you know, that was very interesting. I really liked that. I, well, I loved it. I mean, because we're the Blue Rose task force, asking people to subscribe at bluerosemag.com and join the Blue Rose task force. That's what makes me happy. I don't want us to fight, John. Hearing that Albert is the only... That hasn't disappeared. Yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately, confirming that Chet is still missing. <laughs> but... 
Yeah, no, that and was I, awesome. And I love the history that, you know, we're talking about in the 70s, you talk about Blue Book, which is what Major Briggs was part yep. of. So it's interesting Absolutely. that we're tying Major Briggs, which kind of I always thought he was somehow connected to, especially with Wyndham Merle and stuff. It seemed like it was all connected. But it was yep. cool to uh, connect the Blue Book with the Blue Rose cases. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, I wasn't always sure that those were connected, but yeah, it, it's nice to know that they are. And I think that... Um, just in general, I think they've done a great job with Major Briggs overall this season. They've paid such, it was homage, I believe, uh, to Don Davis. It's just been beautiful. So, yeah, I love what they've done. Is uh, from Sabrina, from Peter, from San Jose. Can you talk about, oh, we're going a little somber. Warning, we're going a little somber. Uh, can you please talk about the details of honoring the deceased cast members, uh, logistics with the likenesses, uh, when and how the footage was shot with uh, Catherine, uh, and especially the Blue Rose clip of uh, Don Davies. Yeah, this is uh, truly a sad thing. Uh, as you know, David loves his actors, David loves the show in general, as do everybody, or it does everybody. Um, he was insistent on having certain people in the show regardless. And I will say, I'll go on a positive note, although it's kind of a weird negative. Um, with Miguel Ferrer, we, uh, we didn't know at the time that he was Bill. And um, he had a scheduling conflict where he wasn't able to work with us unless he could only work on the weekends and on certain days where we were off. And so David said, we have to have him. And we changed our whole schedule to make sure that he could work with us. And looking back at it now, David is just, you know, he knew we had to have him. And at the time, he, I uh, think we had a production meeting. He had, we, the crew was going to kind of rebel because we had just shot up here in Washington. We were working six day weeks. We went down to LA and we planned, okay, we're now on five and we can kind of take a breather because it's very difficult to work six day weeks. And um, we had a production meeting and said, you know what, we're really sorry, but David wants Miguel, and David actually made the speech, so he says, I really want Miguel. Miguel is part of our show. We have to have him. And so we're gonna have to work some Saturdays. I'm really sorry, but you know, we want him. He's part of the family. And that's how it was for everybody. And now looking back, it's so great that we didn't say, okay, we're gonna recast them. I and people were saying that, you know, crew people or whoever were saying, well, let's recast or do whatever. And it's like, no, this is, this is Albert. You know, we're not writing them out. We're not gonna recast them. We have to have them. And look, it, it's just so great that we did. So um, I think with Catherine, we were very lucky. Um, to have her, I really don't want to go into her whole thing, you know, it's I think a little personal, but she, uh, you know, wanted to do it and, and we're so grateful, again, that we were able to do that. And all the people who have passed away, who are seen, we did talk to their families to make sure everything would be good and allow us to do that. So we wanted to honor them, we had to make sure that they were in the show. And um, actually, Showtime gave a special dispensation because usually they don't have anyone in memory of. And so, one of the first things that we did in terms of negotiation was say, we need to say the credits in memory of. So. 
Tammy getting into the fold was cool. Blue Rose Task Force. Her watching <laughs> the episode with us was really cool. I, I like yeah. that a lot. I was trying to kind of see how she was reacting to that, but I, I couldn't yeah. <laughs> see it. And then the whole Diane thing, Diane coming in, and that was like a slow take. It was just like... Very. Have a drink, sit down. And that then, whole scene was very methodically paced. Yeah, it was very slow. Are they just keeping her clo- getting her closer and closer? I think they're luring her in. Yeah, I think so too. I actually thought those coordinates where like she was, you know, in the what was the previous episode, a couple episodes ago, that she was overlooking the, the coordinates. I thought maybe that it was fake coordinates. I thought that maybe Cole and Albert, may, yeah. But, I don't. I think I knew the coordinates were real, but I think that it very. It seemed like Albert and Cole were setting her up almost, yes. or they were talking about a cat on a hot tin roof and very speaking in code and just watching what she was doing in that moment. Yeah, yeah. I, they know something's up, obviously. Um, and I'm still so perplexed by what her is. She purposefully helping Evil Cooper? Does she know that she's helping Evil Cooper? It's been very confusing to see what's happening with Laura Dern. All I know is I wish every single person in the world was watching with us when we all shrieked and screamed when you see Twin Peaks on the table. Yes. On the, yes, you yes. should have you should have heard it in the the Roadhouse. <laughs> that was awesome. I I I think that we made it really special. Yeah. We saw the words Twin Peaks finally right well, on the in map. Twin Peaks. In Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah. We were in the Roadhouse. We saw the road. Just cool stuff like that. So you know the you know we already talked about the title was Let's Rock. Yes. I of course thought this was the this was going to be the part that Cooper was going to wake up. He's like, oh, it's like, it's back to Let's Rock was when, in, in the dream sequence, you had the little man say, Let's Rock. And, of course, in Fire Welcome Me, it's backwards on the car, Chet's, I think Chet's car. So I'm like, oh, good, this is going to be the, this is going to be the part that Cooper wakes up. And we get Diane instead, instead being initiated into the Blue Rose Task Force, and she's the one that says, Let's Rock. It's like, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I so much want Cooper to wake up. Roles have been reversed. Um, if you think about it, it's like Cooper talking to Diane. Now we have Diane talking to Cooper through her cell phone. Text. It's, it's like totally reversed. So it's now Diane's story. And there's no, yeah, there's no, no Cooper. There really is, I mean, there's no real Cooper. Um, but... We can talk about the Dougie thing, which was interesting. This is Chris. I, I just have to say that, like, um, whether you've been a fan of Dougie or not, that one moment was uh, almost made the entire thing worth it. It was hilarious. Yes. Just, <laughs> that moment <laughs> was uh, the the baseball, the the game of catch between father and son, but there was no catching involved. <laughs> Did you think the hit in the head was going to wake him up? I'm like, oh, I, this is going to play out. He's going to hit in the head. He's going to wake up. Maybe we'll cut back to that next week. Yeah, yeah. And, and I also had to think, wow, this scene is just here so we can have starring Kyle McLaughlin at the end. Yeah. it was, And it was really funny because we all laughed at that part, and then it cut to the mountains, and everybody just died laughing again. It was hilarious. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was perfect. And... It was very, yeah, it was like a comedy writer came in and was just like, I'm just going to put all these great comedic beats in this. But I think the next major storyline we got was Sarah Palmer. And I've been waiting for more of Grace the entire season long, and it was so gratifying to see her again. Um, and she's doing such a great job. Uh, that scene in the grocery store was haunting and beautiful, and 
everything that I wanted it to be. When I think we saw a still months ago release for her um, in that grocery store, and she did an amazing job. And I immediately thought, you know, she's having these weird. She's talking to herself. She's obviously been doing this for a while. She doesn't have anybody to talk to. Um, and it's sort of like you hear the music from Fire Walk with Me, the convenience store scene. We know the convenience store is part of the storyline this year. It, it almost seemed like she confused that grocery store with the convenience store, as if she had been there before. Like I don't. I, this was obviously just a grocery store, but I think it was supposed to look or feel similar. And there was that weird bit with the jerky. Does anybody have any thoughts on the jerky? Any theories on what that's about? Well, I, I, what I found, I got to rewatch this scene because I couldn't. Yeah, hear it 100%, and there was so much going on. But I was really, she mentioned something about the men or, or something along those lines that they're coming. Yes, and then that made me mentally tie in to the uh, convenience store. And I was thinking, yes, yes. You know the scene where the creature crawls into the girl's mouth? There's a theory that maybe that's Sarah. So I just wanted to... And that would be fascinating if maybe she's flashing back to her past. The beef jerky made me think, so what's the, the last time we saw her was the one scene. What's that? Turkey jerky. Turkey jerky, right. Well, I think that confuses all of us. The last scene, <laughs> the last thing we saw was her watching TV. It was like Natural Geographic or something, but it was like, it was meat. You know, it was like raw meat. And, and some reason that make me think of beef jerky. It was making me think of like, oh, this is like, I don't know. I seem to connect the, the jerky with the, the meat on the TV there. Well, I just thought of this because what about the turkey and the corn comment from Fire Walk With Me? Quit trying to hold on so tight. I'm gone. Long gone. Like a turkey in the corn. There's a slight correlation. I'm sure it will probably not amount to an actual connection, but it's the same thematic stuff with David that he tends to bring up and bring back up. But Sarah knows a lot, and that's all I know. And I'm excited to see what she has to tell us all. Just in general, I think we've had a lot of ep uh, parts this season where you see a character once in the in the episode, if you will, and you kind of don't see them till next week or three weeks later. It was good to see some progression. You see Sarah a couple times. You see her with Hawk. That was a really sweet scene because, you know, Sarah's all alone and Hawk's such a good person yeah. and checks on her. And there was someone in her kitchen. Can we talk about that? <laughs> what was that about? Maybe there were people around the dinner table in that kitchen having a lively conversation. Well, if you think back to the last time we saw her in the original series, she was definitely going through a change. No, I, I never could tell if it was a Bob, I, I'm in the Black Lodge and I'm waiting for you, or was it Wyndham Earl saying that? I always forgot. Maybe it was Wyndham Earl. But I've heard Wyndham Earl, but I never personally uh, felt that. I think you're right. <laughs> because Wyndham Earl was one that was kind of playing games with everybody in the Black Lodge in episode 29. It, right. Yeah. Right. He was luring Cooper into the lodge as it is. Going back to the creature entering the girl's mouth and all this developing, it kind of, I don't know, it makes you think about Sarah and Laura as part of being part of the whole big picture here. And of course, um, if you think about it, the orb, uh, when I saw the coordinates uh, on the map come up and it was zooming in onto Twin Peaks, I, I started thinking of the orb headed toward that direction uh, yeah. the, of the country in right. uh, part eight. Yeah, totally. So 
watch for me watching that scene with Sarah in, in the market and then going hawk seeing her at the house. I do was like, is Sarah possessed? Maybe this is bubbling for so long. Some people can only take it for so long. What if it's Bob at the dinner table? Because Bob, if we go with the theory that Bob is out of Mr. C right now, he I 100% could be think he is out of at Mr. the Palmer's C. house waiting. Yes, I agree. It is terrifying. I know it gives me chills. Just think about it. yeah, but we saw him being taken out. I think he. I don't think he was put back in. I think he is out. Yes, out. And I think they're trying to do respect to Frank. So I think that's a really good point because you can't show Frank in the kitchen, of yep. course. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great theory. I think that very well could be what's happening. It, it could be the woodsman or yeah. the Bob. One of those. Or everybody. Or everybody. The new convenience store is in Sarah's kitchen. Oh, because <laughs> pain, pain and sorrow is just like thriving. Well, and it's like it's literally her life. Uh, tell us your audition experience for the show, and if you even knew what you were auditioning for. I knew that you know she had said that we'll return in 25 years, and I was already an actor, and I was kind of established in the state. And like, you know, me and my actor buddies, we were always talking, you know, oh, in like seven years, they're going to do Twin Peaks. So, you know, <laughs> I, so, you know I, I was like, you know, one, once it started getting announcing, uh, I directed my agent. I usually, I'll, I'll do anything, but I'm like, no, we're going to find this show. And, uh, you know, it went around and went around and went around. Uh, and then finally, audition, you know, auditions started coming up. And I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement before the auditions even came. And, you know, there's shows going on in Washington in the Pacific Northwest. It was, you know, Grimm and Damages and Z Nation, which I was a big part of. And I know what those shows are. But the mystery show being filmed in North Bend that I have to, to sign a you know, non-disclosure <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to be pornography. <laughs> and I... Uh, Worked harder for this audition than I'd ever worked on anything in my life. Uh, you know, I uh, come in, uh, you'll see some of the pictures. Again, you go through my history on the social media, but I repost them quite often now. Uh, and stopped in at uh, Tweed's on my way to, I believe it was in uh, Bellevue where the actual audition was, or somewhere around there, uh, and drank myself... Uh, five cups of coffee, and I don't need stimulants. I'm hyper as it is. Uh, but I, I came in, and I was wired. And I was excited, and I was on. And uh, David wasn't there. No one that I recognized was there. Just, you know, two you know nice <laughs> casting ladies, and I know how to charm the casting ladies. And uh, they basically asked me about my experience on Z Nation. And I showed them, uh, you know, my zombie impersonations, and I made them laugh for about 20 minutes. And at the end, they said, well, I'm going to put a big red star next to your name. <laughs> and I was like, no one has ever told me that in my life. And in that felt pretty good. Three weeks later, all sorts of more secretive paperwork starts coming in. And here I am now. I feel like Diane is very clued in, just like Cole is, to these weird happenings. Um, she senses, it. I don't know if she sees, but senses something is off with Cooper, when she's, obviously when she sees Mr. C. And she, I think, very clearly saw 
the woodsmen kill Hastings in the last part, but then kind of covered it up and said, you know, I saw him leaving, but I didn't see him going in. It's like, well, we saw you see him going to the car. Yeah. So she has some sort of sensory of uh, awareness of this also. This is sort of unrelated to this episode, but we heard Richard and Linda mention, and we now know Richard is maybe Mr. C's son with Audrey. I guess we don't know for sure. Evil Cooper's son with Audrey. Is is uh, Linda maybe her daughter with Evil Cooper as well? Maybe there's two of his, two birds, one stone, or, you know, whatever is going on. Who knows if they'll do anything, or if we'll even meet Linda, who knows? It would be kind of sad if we didn't, but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because we know Audrey. <laughs> my, my little uh, kind of pet theory uh, along those lines is if Richard possibly is the child of Mr. C., and uh, Audrey, but then if you'll remember, uh, right before the Miss Twin Peaks contest, Cooper was with Annie, so she very well could have a child, maybe Linda, and so those would be two birds, one stone, one is, you know, good, one is Richard. Yeah, I keep wondering, I, I think it was part seven where we finally heard Annie's name in the season, and I honestly, I honestly did not think we would at all. Um, that was gratifying to finally hear her name and be addressed. It almost seemed like the way they wrote that or the way that Hawk mentioned her was, oh, she was a girl who went into that place. It was, you know, I don't know that we're going to hear about her ever again based on the way that they kind of really brushed with a wide stroke over her entire storyline with that. Um, that's just me and kind of thinking of how they, the dialogue for that scene. But I would be very curious and happy if they brought Annie back up at some point. But I don't know. I, I think it was almost like, all right, we mentioned her. She was there. We, we have to talk about her. I know that a lot of fans were not super fond of her. So, yeah, I'm curious how much she'll play into it since we know Heather's not, Heather's not in the actual you know, season. So. She was a girl that went in that place. That's all she was, apparently. <laughs> she wasn't Cooper's true love or anything else. Was she the si sister of Norma? <laughs> right. No, oh, my God. I don't know. That is probably never going to be addressed at all, sister of Norma. Yeah. Annie was the trap to get Cooper in. The she was Black very Lodge. clearly a plot device. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah for sure. A very pretty plot device. Yeah. I think it should have been Audrey that was in the Black Lodge, Absolutely. and they would have had to deal with that. It, it would more... have been such a different story. Is it time to talk about Audrey since we just brought this up? Yes. Is it time? We, I, we have to, because I was. F everybody should have heard people flipping out in that Roadhouse room. <laughs> I have not heard so many fans in, in unison shrieking and screaming at the same time in my she life. she wasn't here to hear it. I know, uh. I know. Sabrina said, I talked to Sabrina uh, at the very end before she left, and she said she really wanted Sherilyn to come because Sabrina, of course, knows that Audrey is going to be in part 12. Um, but, yeah, it would have been great for her to hear everybody. So happy to see her finally. And that shot of, it was probably not intentional, but the shot of her was such this... You see her instantly, and then there's this long pan to see who she's talking to. We needed that time to shriek and scream for, like, 30 seconds. I mean, I was very appreciative of the long pan. David uh, Lynch really knew where the beats were, and that was exactly. perfect. He, yes. like, it was deliberate. And it looked yes. like a painting. Uh, Evan it did. Brodick, it absolutely did. It looked um, like bring, a painting. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I'm like, is she going to be reprimanding somebody? 
Is she going to oh, be talking I, to somebody? Did it not sort of look like it could be in the Great Northern, potentially? Yes. I don't think it was supposed to be, but it gives you that feeling at the very beginning of it's a wooded room, and she's there. Who is she talking to? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Definitely. The scene, it goes all over the place. I all mean, over the place. Amazingly acted. Yes. Her, by yes. both. At Clark Middleton was hilarious numerous times. So, so let's talk about the scene, and then we have theories <laughs> about the scene. As soon as we found out who Richard was, we've been dying to know who's the father. That's all I have to say. And do we know? Do we, have we confirmed who the mother is? Technically, yes. Audrey, technically I no. Assume. Technically I no. I would assume Audrey is. Well. And Mr. C was in the hospital. Do we? I was going to say, do we remember that weird room. little info drop back in part seven? Uh, Doc Hayward says, "Oh, I think he was visiting Audrey Horn, who had that horrible accident." I immediately was like, "She was in a coma." Oh no! Please don't go there. And I think they just went there. Um, I we think we don't know for sure, but I think that's where they went. Because obviously Richard's a very evil person. Very <laughs> evil. So Ben Horn does say uh, he doesn't have a father or we didn't know of a father. So then we, we assume then that means that it, it has to be a woman that gave, that his child, you know, if he's the grandfather, that means it's got to be a daughter that had his grandson. So assume, of course we would assume it's Audrey, but he does have a, he does have another daughter technically. I mean, he has... Donna Hayward. Yeah, but isn't he Richard Horn in the credits, right? Right, right. So it's True. probably Audrey's son. Um, I was so, I was wanting, I was I was really wanting Ben to talk about Audrey in that scene. It was such a beautiful scene, by the way. We didn't talk about it. That Richard Beamer scene was great. Yeah, I was just going to say Sylvia wouldn't be grandma if correct. it was Donna's. Very correct. I do honestly think it's Audrey's. I do too. I don't too. know why I they're stretching too. this out and they haven't confirmed it is a little... Puzzling. So, okay, so, so I, that scene was such a blur because we were freaking out that Sherilyn was on screen, but she's looking for Billy. So was Bing, David Lynch's son, right, a couple, the, part from, seven. From I think it was seven. Diner, with Shelly and yeah. The, yeah, yeah. So that was the second time we've heard Billy now. I believe they said Billy's been missing for a couple days. And yeah, that would have been exactly, part seven was also after, I believe... Yeah, it's the end of part seven that that scene happens. The very end, because it ends in the diner, in the over the credits. Have you seen Billy? Have you seen Billy? So yeah. I think Billy. I think what we were supposed to take from that is Billy is the farmer that Andy was meeting, the rendezvous farmer. He but never, he never showed up. He never showed up. I and Andy think waited. that's what it's supposed to be. Truck mate. Yes. Yeah. It could. It could be a totally unrelated missing person, but I don't think I it's think it supposed makes to sense. be. I it think it's make the farmer. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would make sense yeah. that her, her uh, son had stolen her boyfriend, I guess, his truck. Right. And, um, and maybe had that sort of resentment to do what I think he might have done to Billy. I don't think Billy's coming back. <laughs> I've waited 25 years to see Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I want to know what happened to her, and I was expecting a lot. And, like... I will say Sharon Fenn's performance was amazing. Yes. I mean, she like gave it her all, but it was weird and it was convoluted. It's very weird. And like, it's not the way I would have wanted to introduce, no. or reintroduce Audrey. And it's like, what is going on? I agree. And I think some 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 other fans we were talking before kind of reassure us that maybe this is not what it seems. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe this isn't. I had a theory it, about. Let's <laughs> David doesn't want you to know what it seems ever. 
That's true. It's true. Cl clearly. <laughs> clearly. We, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I candy, candy, candy all over again. It's up the payoff hasn't happened. And the payoff happens, I think you'll be happy. I have a theory. I had a small theory immediately when I saw that scene. Um, we know Audrey was in the horrible explosion. I always thought she would have some sort of brain damage from that. Right, she was in a coma. She was in a coma, right? right? That was established yes, in the book. Yes, um, definitely. It's very possible that this is some sort of delusion or mental issue going on. I mean, she didn't seem affected in how she was speaking and moving and acting, but... I mean, that can really mess with your head when those kind of things happen. So it's, I almost, I think a Billy is real because we've heard him referenced by Bing or who, uh, David Lynch's son in that scene, but very weird surrealism in that scene. And we've scene. got Ben and Sylvia taking this nightmare with Richard in and neither of them are like, call his mother. Neither of them like, get his mother. That's a phone. very his good mother? point. Yes. They don't even speak her no, name. No, they don't. As if she's. Away Which makes or me sad that Ben doesn't talk about Audrey, but I honestly think it's so hard to know. But I think maybe Audrey doesn't know about Richard. I don't know how that would even happen. I don't know how someone would have a child without knowing about it. But I, I don't know if that's possible medically while you're in a coma. Working on like what ifs, like what what if she is so mentally unstable, but that she just has no recollection of having a child. Very much amnesia possibilities there, for sure. I, I think that there's something going on. She doesn't seem quite right in that scene, and I think we're supposed to feel uncomfortable. Sherilyn did a great job, but yeah, it, like you said, it was not how anybody expected to see Audrey for the first time after 25 years. I wonder where they'll go with it, but yeah, we'll see. Can I throw out uh, one of my theories about Audrey tonight? Yes, I want to hear your theory about Audrey. So I say what we saw was Invitation to Love. I think Audrey was on Invitation to Love, and we just saw it. It's a show based. No, no, no. It's the, it was part of the episode. It's based on Twin Peaks. That's why she said Audrey, and that's why they said Roadhouse. But it was basically a soap. Yes. And everybody was cheating on everyone, and there were prenups. It was all the things that happened in Invitation to Love. It was just a, a newer version. Spencer's theory about the Audrey scene, mm -hmm. uh, and again, I want to credit Spencer, is that that scene was um, a play acting scene with Audrey and a potential therapist, that uh, Audrey is in some sort of rehabilitation, that she's got a psychological issue, and that her therapist, that guy, was... Um, you know, working through a scenario with her, humoring her, trying to guide her. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a contract that's mentioned at some point, which right. doesn't seem to be a marriage contract, but something else. Again, I, uh, when Spencer said that, it seemed to make that seem more well, I mean, important I think to that, me. Um, I think that's certainly an idea, and I, I actually don't seriously believe that it's invitation to love, but I think it's a cool idea because it was so soapy, and I was like, this could be, and you know, we do know that Lynch's plan for Audrey was that she went on to be an actress because Mulholland Drive was supposed to be Audrey Goes to well, Hollywood. Well, you really think you're going to... So... Do you think that... What? Still relevant though that idea that but Audrey. But it's a it's a thought. His thought was that Audrey becomes okay. an actress. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm I'm just saying she could become an actress. This is not a theory that I would write up in the Blue Rose, but for the Twin Peaks Unwrapped podcast, it's good enough. It's, it's good enough. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Uh, moments after watching it at the Roadhouse while we're drunk and, you know what I mean? And when I'm high on sparkle, I mean, come on, this is, sounds like the greatest theory ever. Anything that Blue Rose magazine doesn't want, we, we'll take. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we'll give you John's old dream theory because, uh, oh my God. Bring an Eben here. Can we bring an Eben? Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Uh, we've stolen, John and I have stolen this podcast. Evan, what'd you think of tonight's episode? It's not an episode, it's a part. No, no the, the episode part of the, of the part. That part of the episode part. I've stopped listening to you. <laughs> so you can see that Evan is kind of Johnny Hornish. He's, you know, um, how are you today? Hello, Johnny. <laughs> what is the question? How did I like this? Yeah, well, what part of the episode made you very interested? Audrey. Was she in it? Do we know? Was that really Audrey? Ooh, was it? Oh, very Oh, listen was to that. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah there you go. Audrey. And she's not, like, rushing out the door, like... I'm going to go do this. It's been two days. It just seems weird that Very why would weird. you make such a presentation about going to find someone. Going to the roadhouse. <laughs> and not even go do it yourself. No, she didn't go. That's weird. To me, that's a clue to say. Very weird. Maybe she's reliving something or she's she just oh, working something out. Like it's like a circle in her head that cycles through and cycles through. I don't know that Audrey didn't have brain. I mean, she comes out of... They don't show she her coming out. She very easily coma. could have brain damage. Easily, yes, very true. She looks great, but she but, could, she could have some brain damage for sure. It's funny how she, Audrey says something about like she doesn't feel comfortable going by herself, and it's like, what are you talking about? Audrey's a very strong woman. She could have done this by herself. I noticed like, that too. Isn't that like, yes. That's not Audrey. Did anybody else want her to say, "I'm Audrey Horn," and I was get what I want? Yeah. I re- Next one is for Christabel from Peter from San Jose. Krista, how did you meet David, and what is it like to not only be directed by him, but to act with him? Acting alongside and being directed by, it's kind of, you know, after all these years, it's just like, hey, that's, that's my pal David. He's doing his thing. <laughs> he's really good at this. He's really, he's really great at doing this, and I'm so happy to just be in this space, and then sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm in I'm, I'm in it, too? Wow, okay. I'm just kind of taking in the moment and kind of overwhelmed by the moment and then reminded that I'm actually, I'm on. You're, then it's time to go, it's time to do my thing, and, and David's just there to hold space and be compassionate and considerate and, and let you know that you're supposed to be there, and there's this beautiful thing that you get to be a part of, and then you just so naturally want to give heart and soul and it's this beautiful experience, and I can't, I don't know that there's a difference between the directing and the acting alongside, because you're just with this person that just has so much um, competency for what they're doing, and it's so purposeful, and it's just like this beautiful dance that we all get to be a part of, and I mean, all, and, he's, and he's also, he kind of, total scene stealer. Like, I'm like, damn, how do you get to do Everything. Like you just... So Jerry gets out of the woods. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and that's where we left him, right? He was out yeah. of the woods, but that I mean, was he, it. he was talking to his foot and he was like, <laughs> I've been here before and now he's finally gotten out of the woods. I mean <laughs> we've got uh, Dr. Amp. 
doing his. Yeah, it that like was, it was the weakest part of the episode. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't bother me, but it seemed like it was just a continuing. It was almost like repeating the same thing. It was definitely repeated footage. I had noticed their clothes were the same. Nadine's especially was the same as part. You see her for the first time in five. Yeah. Same exact blouse that she had on in five. So I think it's just extended cuts of the same footage. They filmed. Uh, Russ doing that, doing like 10 speeches so that they could just cut it in wherever they wanted, yeah. just in the same location all day long. It was I great. Like how but. Russ's speeches are fitting for the times. Right yes, now. yes, it's yes. Right I think why everybody cheered at the end was made it very good. So we, we're back in Lynch's uh, hotel and he's got a woman <laughs> with him. <laughs> That was she was not, I don't know how to say her name, but she was a Bond uh, girl or actress, that woman. That actress. She's really? like a famous Bond. I haven't watched the latest ones, but she's one of the, the, the Bond girls. The newer Bond girls. One of the Bond, new Bond girls from the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. She I played it perfectly, though. She, she was great, great comic timing. So um, all of the scenes with, with, with um, Albert and uh, uh, Gordon just made me realize how well timed and edited this show is for an audience. Yeah. And watching it in a room full of people, the beats were perfect. And so th- I think some of that awkwardness you may sometimes feel watching it at home is because he's still cutting film for an audience, and it works beautifully. I have two things to say about that. First of all, are we allowed to say that David is watching with us, technically? Are we going to talk about that? I think he hit play at the same time. He plays with our expectations and subverts them constantly. And it was so obvious in this episode to me, as thinking of this in kind of a meta level, that we had such an awesome Cooper-focused buildup last part in the with the uh, candy and the Mitchums, the cherry pie scene. He says it. He's repeating the dialogue, but he says it in the cadence that's very Cooper, normal Cooper. And you think, oh my God, he's finally going to wake up in the next part. And you literally have him on for two seconds with a baseball being thrown at his face. I mean, that is David Lynch saying, you're going to have to be patient because I'm going to do this the way I want to do it and you're going to have to to love it or not. The slow burn, David Lynch with the slow burn. I enjoy the whole slow buildup overall. And we'll come, yeah, one long movie. I just want to say, because Miguel, of course, is not with us uh, any longer and it makes me so sad, he has the best comedic timing of anybody. I mean, he in the scene, the scene with the French woman was hysterical from top to bottom. Yep. So much of that was Miguel just reacting to what David and her were doing and having no dialogue essentially and made the whole scene worth everything. Um, yeah, I just we I miss Miguel every time we see him and it, he's just such a treasure. It, it's sort of like Albert. a farewell for him. This it really is. So this next one is for Amy Shields from Casey from uh, Crockett, California. Yes. Um, and the question is, your character and her two companions, friends, wives, sisters, sister wives, <laughs> are very distracted and dressed the same way all of the time. Do you have a backstory for Candy and her friends, wives, sisters? <laughs> and will you and can you share it? My squad. Um, I can't, I'm sorry. I'm not actually allowed to talk about that. Um, yeah, because there's just there's so many things that you could easily give away. You know, it's our stuff for interpretation and you guys can figure out all of those questions. I'm asking a lot of those questions myself, so to be fair, even if I could tell you, I actually can't, because I don't know. Are they actually there? Are they 
Hutch and Chantel, or Chantel, um, wow, food. wow, was van. that brutal. Um, I I have a hard time with violence, and I know everyone's probably laughing because I am watching the wrong show, but um, I, just, it's really hard for me, and especially home invasion type of stuff really gets under my skin, and this yeah. was so uncomfortable. I mean, Tim Roth and Jennifer Jason Lee were beautiful, as usual. I mean, they're so good at these evil, horrible people. Um, but yeah, they're so nonchalantly just plug the guy, and he's not even dead the first time, and then shoot him again. The warden, played beautifully by James Morrison, too, on the yeah. last couple parts. But then the kid runs out. It was horrible. Oh, yeah, it was yeah, we, absolutely We talk about this idea of violence with kids, Gut but then punch. have the kid actually yes. have to witness yes. his father It's dying. almost the reverse oh. of the, the horrible accident in part six I with the kid. It's like the inverse of that. Yeah. You know, it's 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 the continued like David is so. I feel like he's really looking at the themes of the degradation of society in this thing, and all these poor things with these kids. Like you don't really have a lot of kids in the original series, and when you do, I think we can all say that we weren't super fond of them. Like little Nikki, for example, everyone's least favorite scene in the whole thing. <laughs> but yeah, I I think what he's done with the children this time is really different and dark and. You know, you have the poor kid dying, and now this kid witnesses his dad, and it's it's. Oh, that's right. Yes, the children finding Miriam. There's just such an obvious display of there is darkness everywhere, and these kids are being corrupted. I mean, the girl spewing up whatever she was spewing up. It's another example of kids are in trauma in this season. That scene was just horrible. I, I think it was placed between some funny stuff too. So it was just a total. You know, David switches with the emotions in two seconds flat, and it was just literally felt like somebody punched me in the gut when yeah. that happened. It was awful. Uh, children being victims of and witnessing violence. I think they're starting to show the world going crazy, or at least Twin Peaks. Well, and and I and you know I can't help but think about. I think in the book they established that the mill burned down at some point or again, or I, it was kind of unclear. I think the town economy kind of went away after that. I mean, everyone in town really is not doing well. You have the lovely Amanda Seyfried in a trailer park. So How about Nadine? All right, this next one is for Wendy from Casey from Crockett. Is Nadine's drape runner store keeping the town afloat since the mill is gone? <laughs> Thank you so much 
you know, we, were, we were talking about this earlier, and um, you, you're the ones who did this. You did this. That's the truth. It's, it's the truth. It's you guys. Um, Showtime put up the money. God bless them. <laughs> David makes his art. Thank you. He takes us on the ride. And you guys are the ones who did it. And all this time, you, you have done this. I mean, maybe it wasn't last year, but one of the questions was, do you think Twin Peaks will be, was the question of, will it still be relevant all this time later? And this is before any of us saw this amazing thing that's happened. But I asked you, I asked this whole audience for a show of hands, how many came to Twin Peaks in the last, say, 10 years? or more recent than that, didn't, you know, are new, new to it. How many people, so, you know, later in the look at this show of hands, and it's, it's like, this is just, okay, in the, in the last 15 years, I rest my case. The audience is built in, and Showtime knows this. And so it's, it's you guys insisting on keeping it alive. So, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you and I hope you continue to enjoy. I think we've covered the, the part, part 12, but I'd love to go, if anybody wants to talk, I'd love to talk about what you, how you guys felt about Twin Peaks or even about the, the festival. festival. I have something to say. <laughs> uh, so my name is Ben um, Bino on Twitter, AKA. First of all, I've just been having the best time at the Twin Peaks Fest. This is my second festival and it's just been incredible. Um, to be here in Twin Peaks and to, to be able to be in the Roadhouse and to watch an episode, uh, a new episode of Twin Peaks is was just a, a you know a once in a lifetime experience. Um, maybe you know maybe we'll get to do it again. I don't know, but it, I mean when when we started watching it, my eyes filled with tears. Um, and to be surrounded with some of like the coolest fans, you know, it was just amazing. And, and the celebrities and everybody that's there. Um, it's just been, I've had the time of my life. And, uh, and I love you, Ben and Brian. This is my favorite Aww. show. <laughs> too. Uh, it's been, yeah, it's been awesome to see you guys here. And, and to You're get the to first know you one we met? That's right, at the, um, at the car rental place. We at were renting a car, and he's like, I recognize your voices. Are you? Ben and Brian, and we're like, we are, and we're renting a car, and it's midnight, but it was great, because you were like, I will talk to you later, Yes. and then we just drove off. And I'm going to tell you how much I love you, yeah, yeah. constantly, throughout the festival. I just want to say, this is my first Twin Peaks Festival ever, I don't know if these guys even know that, but this is my first one. You know, I've, I've talked to Brad and, and Spencer, who, some of the more, you know, the, in, the infamous Peaks uh, Fest people, but yeah, this is my first time actually going to the festival, and... I've had the time of my life up here. I thought, ah, you know, I'll do it. I've wanted to do it for a while. I have the money to do it. Let's do it. And I'm like, will I come back? I don't know. We'll see how it goes. How could I not come back after this? This is the best weekend yeah. ever uh, that I can think of in my, in, in my recent life by far. Um, and you guys, I don't know if you remember this, you helped me take pictures in front of the diner. I think it was uh, last night. Was that cool? They were the nicest guys uh, ever in person, helping me get embarrassing selfies in front of the double R <laughs> at night. Of course I needed the diner at night because of the scene from Eleven, you know. <laughs> I think Twin Peaks fans are the coolest. Like, I think we just, like, yeah. we see each other and say, hey, how you doing? And we just help each other out and we talk. And with We're the greatest... huge, lovable nerds, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
I, I can't even express uh, how glad I am I came to this fest. I have wanted to come since since the very uh, early days. I, I'm one of the uh, original Run fans, and uh, it's always been in the back of my head. And this year, I knew it was going to be special, and I'm so glad I did it. And uh, even as a first timer, everyone's so welcoming, and it really is like a family. All the things you hear about this festival are true. And uh, if you're thinking about it, I, I highly recommend, you know. Literally don't hesitate for a second. Do it. Uh, you will have the time of your life. We saw a new episode of Twin Peaks at the Twin Peaks Festival in the Roadhouse. <laughs> Sabrina's right there. Krista, uh, Kimmy, John Piricello. Yes, Jeremy Lindholm was here. I think it's fun to get together with people with something we all love and we can talk about and be excited about and get away from the real world for a little while. And I think David Lynch is like a poem. It's fun to, everyone has their interpretation and it's fun to discuss. It's that, that moving painting, right? Yeah, I mean, he's ultimately yeah. a painter at heart and yeah. every part is a brushstroke on the tapestry that he's painted of this new series so yeah it, it is a very well and, and to think about I have not watched a show in this long that has made me think this hard again and to make me theorize again and there's not a lot of TV out there that help you know gets your brain working this hard so quickly and every single week it's working harder and harder to try to figure out what's going on so it's a beautiful thing it is a beautiful thing thank you guys for having us be on the podcast. We love the show. It was awesome to see you in Twin Peaks. We're all in Twin Peaks together. Isn't this nice? We're in Twin Peaks together. It, it's great. It's been a great festival. Amazing. Particularly because Ben and Brian have been here. Aww, we're all here. It, it's been amazing because we're all It wouldn't here. be the same yeah. without you here, John. Yeah, Come yeah, on. yeah. The godfather of the Twin Peaks. The godfather of Twin Peaks. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Well, thank you, everybody, for uh, you know being a part of this. It's yes. so awesome. It's been a, amazing, amazing weekend. Thank you guys for having us. Thank you for having us. Oh no, thank you for joining us. And I, oh my God, what a weekend! I don't want it to end. I'm still processing. It's like what we went to the Palmer House and we went to Renette's Bridge and we went to, of course, the Double R Diner and we hang out with yeah. all these celebrities and it's like and it's just like. Did you guys find Richard's truck? I found Richard's truck. Yes. That was the coolest yes. thing to see. Oh, you too. found it. We found it. Yeah. It was awesome. Some guy yelled at us. I said, "Let's go to the fest. It's a one-time event. We'll go." I'm here going. It's like getting a tattoo. It's like you just want more. I just want to come back again. Like I like they should, they should give a tattoo every year. I would get one yeah. every year. Yeah, and yeah, I want to yeah. come back. I plan to come back. So everybody that's not thinking they're going to go, you have to go. You'll have the time of your life. And you'll want to come back. I think I honestly think one of the funnest, I can't say funnest because it's not a word, one of the most fun things yes. <laughs> that happened today, Josh has taken us on a locations tour. We found the spot where Jerry says, I am not your foot. <laughs> and everybody reenacted that. It was the coolest thing. Everyone's, you know. We're all huge nerds, but it was awesome to see that. So That is awesome. And for me, you know, I've wanted to go for 25 years. I've wanted to go to this fest. And for me, it was always like, oh, I want to see the falls. I want to see this. And as I'm older now, 25 years later, I was like, I want to see Ben. And I want to see all the, all the fans. Yes, and I want to yeah. do what we're doing right now just talking about it. And so for me, I think I still love everything else, the locations and stuff. But it's as I'm older, I, so much, it means so much more to me that the people and that people I get to hang out with. So yeah, it's been community. so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How will any of us ever forget watching part 12? We'll always remember what part it was, too. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Years from now, with the cast, with all of us, all of our loving fandom here with us in that roadhouse room. Like, you'll never forget that moment. So, yeah, it was yeah. incredible. Let's rock. Let's, Let's rock. rock.
Thank you, everyone. We're going to end with Christabel singing Polish the, poem. Yes, the Polish poem. She sang it live. It was beautiful, amazing, and uh, we'll end it there. Thank you.